Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale, sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget the bug spray as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. Long time, no talk. This Seth. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined, as always, by my pal, Mark Matsky. Hello. There's water and protein shakes in the fridge. Protein <laughs> shakes? I am feeling protein deficient, yeah. so that might work out perfectly. All right, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been a couple weeks. We're back real quickly. Uh, top of the show, have to mention Squad. Small Town Monster Squad, the um, video versions of this show are posting, edited by Aaron. Um, I don't know if you've caught what's going on over there, but he's kind of like, he's doing whatever he wants with the show at this point. So I, I have no say in what, what ends up wow. on there. I know that there was... Full control, right? Yeah. Uh, there were video, there was video last week of me massaging, or him massaging me <laughs> that made it into <laughs> the into the video version. <laughs> Of Monsteropolis. So um, if you if that sounds like something you want to watch, <laughs> uh, listeners, you can you can watch Monsteropolis recorded a um, lot. It's recorded live. Yes. But you can watch the video versions of this very show. That's pretty enticing. That's a that's quite a setup. You can watch Aaron massage my, my shoulders. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay. Uh, the... People love listening to me say, ah, it's their, oh, mm. Uh, In the Apple reviews, that's pretty much all people talk about. I would assume that's going to be just that. Um, But the uh, other thing that's going on with Squad, obviously, this week is is the second Friday of the month. So uh, on the Trail of Hauntings, episode number three drops on Friday for Squad members. Kickstarter's over. It's over. Kickstarter's wildly successful. Hit the DVD level, which was yes. very satisfying. And like blew by it. It wasn't even It was strange. Super like suspenseful at the end. It just, just next boom, thing I knew, went yeah. right by it. It's great. Yeah. Uh so the Case Files uh season one box set will be coming out. And I was wrong. There's actually six episodes out, which means the the box oh, set will be a seven? seven episodes. Cool. Um and uh, I believe that seventh episode is going to be edited by Andy. It's oh, current, nice current discussion going on. Okay, there's so much content being created right now here that I don't know how else to handle that. Mm-hmm. Like it's um, when you got here today, we were in the process. We had just posted our third straight video on YouTube. We had to get up uh, hauntings. Uh, Squadcast needs to go live today. Squadcast goes up on Tuesdays, and then. Uh, 
uh, the, we're, we're also getting next week's Monsteropolis stuff uh, prepped and ready with like thumbnails and all this stuff. So yeah, the YouTube in general, um, if you're not interested in joining squad, uh, but you want to see Monsteropolis, what I've been doing, it's probably not going to be a weekly thing, but I have done this the last two, two, um, Mondays we're posting Monsteropolis as a premiere video. So it goes up. So you, you can actually watch it as it premieres, even if you're not a squad member while it's premiering, basically you have yeah. the, the hour window that it plays. Uh, and then after that, Man. it goes to members only. That's like a appointment viewing. Isn't mm-hmm. that? Yeah. People get their popcorn ready. Yeah. Sit ten, and watch 10 o'clock, 10 AM <laughs> on Monday. I'm going to be watching. Um, I should say Squadcast has been really cool. Mark was on one or two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're in the middle of a two-parter with Heather Mosier right now. The first part was all about On the Trail of Hauntings. The second part is about her work on the research end of things with SCM. Um, the next episode of, of Squadcast will drop next Tuesday, and that is uh, On the Trail of Hauntings Episode 3 recap. We're going to do mm. a recap episode the week after, the Tuesday after each new episode yeah. drops. So Santino will be here with Aaron and I to talk about that on the trail or um paranormal unexplained also dropped last week episode number one on our youtube channel completely free episode number two is prepped and ready to go tomorrow at 10 a.m it will premiere on the youtube channel did you watch it that's t- yeah i did yeah that stuff about the rake just really no the, the, it was entertaining yeah the next episode entertaining. is uh there's a segment called uh tinfoil tinfoil time and that's <laughs> I wonder <wondered>. where Aaron <laughs> introduces Santino and I to a uh conspiracy theory and then gets our opinions nice yeah. what has the response been like on those have has there been a lot of feedback it's, that it's you've gotten fun. I don't know okay um I know that my mom has really been enjoying it good um but that's worth it then all by itself yeah uh but as far as anyone else, uh, Aaron's big suggestion for me was to stop monitoring YouTube comments once that show went up. So I had it to where <laughs> when YouTube comments were posted, I was getting a notification. Mm-hmm. And I, most days I woke up with some variation of like, you you greedy turds, I'm not paying for anything on your channel. Wow. Or like, you 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 suck. Or like a really, what was the most recent one that cracked me up? I forget. It had uh, someone had used to, I mean, just hilarious punctuation and grammar. But <laughs> yeah. um, oh, every word was was capitalized, and they were furious because I had accidentally set Squadcast to go up as a premiere, and when it went up, it got switched over to members only before it had finished premiering, and someone had gotten the notification that it was going live, clicked on it was watching it left for a second when they came back it had been switched over to mm. members only so they they had some choice words wow. for us um so yeah so a i've pox upon you yeah so i've changed i've turned off all notification settings but i think so far the the feedback on it has been solid i know this week they're recording at least two more episodes and zach's zach is going to be here for those okay so zach is going to fill in for me for a few episodes hmm. so i'm not going to be on the show every week but it is it's a fun show and it's a free show so yeah unless there's a groundswell of like grassroots bring back oh yeah then, then i'll be forced to come back <laughs> yeah. 
I tried to get out of being in on the trail of hauntings this week, and Santino wouldn't allow. Oh, it. really? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to hear about that? Should I talk about that? I we did. Well, I would like to hear about that. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, as you know, from the we sounds were, of things, it was terrifying. Yeah, horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> really scary stuff. Um, we had talked, and and you were even supposed to be involved in the episode we were hoping to shoot today. Actually, yeah, today. Oh man, we could not get it together, and it was like one of those classic. Um, small town issues you run into mm-hmm. um the location we want we want uh we still want to get into the location at some point but the location did not want anything to do with the paranormal or the supernatural so that location fell through we ended up uh ha- i threw a hail mary um hit up our friend georgia at uh, the canton palace theater and I just said, hey, I, I don't know how else to approach this. I need a favor. Like, we, we need a location to go hunt for ghosts. And we had originally wanted to do the palace, but I was thinking later in the season, maybe even, like, the Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. I just said, is there any way we can get in there, like, now? And she was like, yeah. She set everything up, including getting um, someone in the theater who could hang out while we were there. Really? So they were allowed to leave us in there. Wow. And then um, they had... Uh, Jay, who also plays the organ, um, who's also kind of a historian when it comes to the theater. He came in, told some spooky stories and uh, gave the history of Canton and the Canton Palace Theater. Wow. So he's in the, he's, oh, great. He's he's had some, some things happen as well. So Mm -hmm. that's cool. And he played the organ. Nice. We filmed that. That's awesome. Yeah. um, But the, are they open now? I mean, they're having screenings. They're open and they're having screenings. They just did Casablanca over Valentine's Day. Hmm. Um, they're open. I don't know how frequent. Okay. I can tell you being there was a little set. Like, like anybody, I think it's hard on them, you know, because there's it's run by volunteers. Mm-hmm. So there's some dust and, and some things that okay. you know, hasn't been cleaned up. Right. I think they're, they're trying to get things to some degree of normalcy mm-hmm. and keep the theater in business. Right. Um, we do have, as long as we're talking about the Canton Palace Theater, if you're in Ohio and you listen to Monsteropolis, we're showing on the trail of Bigfoot the Journey at the Canton Palace Theater on April 17th, three days after we get back from the Pacific yeah. Northwest. Yes. Yeah. So With the whiff of the yes. Olympic Peninsula still on Bigfoot, us. Bigfoot still upon us. <laughs> um yeah, it was a really cool experience, and that will be episode four of On the Trail of Haunting, so that'll be out in four weeks. Nice. Uh, so if you're interested in getting a look around the, the Canton Palace Theater, um, you'll want to check that out. It was a fun, very, it's going to be a very different episode from the others. There was only one interview, the rest of it was investigation, um, so we'll see how that turns out. I'm interested. I'm interested in how Santino could possibly top the opening to Ooh. episode number three. Yeah. The cold open. Any dolls involved? No. No dolls? No dolls. There was a dead mouse. Yeah. That's involved. A little yeah. mouse it, ghost. It was a little mouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So this week we're talking about favorite UFO books. Mm-hmm. Did you do like 10 or something? I went off. Yeah. I actually okay. did 12, but some I don't have to talk about. Good. No, that's great. Because I only did like okay. seven. <laughs> okay. And my list is on my phone. Yeah. So... Um, so yeah, we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about UFO books. Yeah, it was funny because when you asked me if we'd ever done that, I just drew a blank. I don't think we had. Yeah. Typically, when we talk about books, it's been Bigfoot books. Mm-hmm. So this was fun to narrow it down to 
UFO related, which is on my brain right now because that's the section that I'm doing for the book. There's, I'm missing a bunch. There's no, there's no two ways about it. Like I, oh, missing a lot of books. I'm, yeah, I'm going over. I'm, I went over my list. I started going over a list last night, and then I came in this morning. I went over my shelves, and I was like, I know I'm forgetting stuff, mm-hmm. and but I can't. I don't know what it is. Um, and obviously, I'm not the reader Mark is, but honestly, just when it comes to UFOs, I haven't read anywhere near as much UFO literature as I have Bigfoot. Hmm. So, and I'm not that well read on Bigfoot. So, uh, I'm definitely not a scholar on this topic. I try to go for not just like my favorite books, but books I think people would be, uh, it, it would be good for people to read. Like books that might mm. act not maybe not necessarily act as an introduction to big to UFOs, but um, just books that maybe people overlook or don't yeah think about as much right yeah I see one that's on my list as well, um, which is the West Virginia UFOs book yeah Bob Teets do you want to start there yeah why not why not this is like a there yeah, it is there it is for for squad squad viewers west virginia ufos and this is an autographed copy do you have one of those too i don't know if mars is or not okay wow bob's have you met him so no okay i don't think he's with us anymore oh man um but this book i have had for a couple years and i can't remember why i bought it Hmm. like i don't i don't know also don't know where i bought it it almost has to be it almost has to have been on like Amazon or something. Mm. Can't fix this stand. Drive me bonkers. <laughs> um, but it's it. Um, okay, so I should say one thing that I've noticed is, and this holds true for Bigfoot too. But there's a lot of books that are just like sightings related mm-hmm. or encounters related, and that's this book falls firmly into that category. I think like cases, um, and I I'm. Am I the one that suggested this book to you or how did you come to be well, acquainted I, with it? I I too picked it up somewhere randomly. Okay. I don't remember when or where, but it was after um how should I say it? I read it a long time after I bought it, and I think it's because in part you had suggested it and I went back and looked. And this this happens quite often where I say, "Oh yeah, I do have that book." And, um, this is one, and you're right. This is very much, um, this is a great example, I think, of why there should always still be books is because this is a very local collection of stories. You know, Bob Teets, I think was involved in the collection of almost all of these stories personally. Mm -hmm. It's not just a cut and paste or, you know, calling these from, every other UFO book that has ever existed, but they're very uh, linked into uh, uh, specific locations. And he spends a little bit of time towards the end kind of processing his own thoughts and his worldview mm-hmm. and what he thinks UFOs could or could not be. And so it's really, it's very well done. And it gives you that clear sense of cultural location that I think the best of these books have that goes for bigfoot books too you kind of like having a local author who can write well or at least write with a kind of unique voice and has clearly gone to places and talked to people and compiled this 
uh, for us. And that wouldn't exist otherwise. Right. So we, I mean, I've had the, the weird experience of, um, not just reading the book, but, um, I had, and I had read the book when I originally bought it, which was a while ago, but I had the experience of, of having read the book and then meeting witnesses from the book hmm. and interviewing mm-hmm. them. Um, and that was a strange experience. Cause like you said, this is very local and the people we interviewed, one of them couldn't even figure out how we found him. Like it's the, there's an anonymous witness in this book who, mm-hmm. who Heather Moser, I have to give Heather the credit for that, but who Heather actually managed to track down, uh, who we then interviewed, but there's a, a witness named uh, Kenneth who we interviewed. Um, and those are sightings that were only featured in this book have never been seen anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So just in terms of like research value, the value that the, the book played in uh, the role of putting together on the trail of UFOs, dark sky is pretty substantial. And I would say there's probably no, there might not be an on the trail of UFOs, dark sky without this book. So um, close it's West Virginia UFOs, close encounters in the mountain state by Bob Teets. Do you know anything? Have you looked into to him? Have you have you done any research? No, the man no, not uh, not beyond what he offers about himself in the book. Okay. See, one of my goals with Dark Sky is to sort of introduce his role in the state, and I don't know much about him either. So, and and it's actually very difficult to find people who know of him anymore, hmm. and I don't know what the deal is with that. But, right. Um. He. Uh. There's also a uh, an investigator researcher in this book who did a lot of legwork on these cases. I don't have her name in front of me. And I know if I sit here and just dig through it, I'm not going to find it, but um, we should maybe at some point do like a West Virginia book uh, series of episodes, West Virginia Mm -hmm. UFOs and talk about the book a little bit more um, because there's obviously I'm sort of um, introducing the idea and it's probably not introducing but I, I'm sort of pushing the idea with On the Trail of UFOs Dark Sky that um, West Virginia is as important to the UFO subject as the the Southwest desert states that we sort of most closely associate mm-hmm. with, with UFOs. And I think if you buy this book, you'll start to pick up on little threads that we're trying to pull on with that film. So I'm excited for, for people to see that movie, but I would like people to read this book at the same time. And in retrospect, I think my interview for UFOs Dark Skies was heavily influenced. Heavily, yeah. 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 From this book, Mm -hmm. because he brings out things that I had not thought about really before. Mm -hmm. He brought them up. Yeah. Um, Go, go, you go. Well, let's stay in West Virginia. Yeah. And I would like to talk about this book by Gray Barker. They knew too much about flying saucers. It is, first of all, just a, uh, from a, a reader standpoint, it is a fun, gripping read. He is often um, joined with John Keel in terms of, you know, location, style, and you can see it in the way that they, they compile their writing. There is a, a definite similarity between the two. And I mean all of that as a compliment. I mean... People have all sorts of opinions about Barker and Keel, and it's, if you don't know that yet, you'll find that out. But one thing I don't think anyone can deny is that 
they're both gifted writers and they will pull you right into their story. Both of them, at least, you know, Mothman prophecies and they knew too much about flying saucers are written in the first person. So they're pulling you into their experience, Mm. what they went through on these trips. And they're just super engaging and humorous at points. And um, there's enough mystery put in there that they're just um, a lot of fun to read. And what Gray Barker does in this story, I was reminded of this getting ready for this show today, is that the first two chapters of They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers is all about Flatwoods, Hmm. which is pretty cool. He went on site. He was there not very long after the original events, and he gained an audience with Neil Nunley, one of the boys who was there, interviewed him then, and then interviewed him again, just bumped into him another time that he was back in Flatwoods and uh, was just not, not only at that point, was kind of done talking about it. Mm -hmm. But um, you've got, you end up with these great situations that are just so specific to the time where I mean by that, you know, he goes to frame town to investigate this alleged crashed plane with Ivan T. Sanderson. Oh yeah. And they're hacking their way through the brush. They find nothing of course. The one by the Elk River? Yeah. So you just have these, you know, these very time specific pictures of Gray Barker and Ivan T. Sanderson sort of bushwhacking, looking for this down plane. Um, And, you know, he reaches the, his conclusion on Flatwoods, I thought was really interesting. And he said, number one, there's no doubt in his mind, definitely there were widespread aerial phenomena observed over a large area at the time that it was being spotted, mm-hmm. you know, linked to the uh, whatever came down on the hilltop. And number two, seven witnesses saw something unfamiliar and terrifying. Mm-hmm. And he, he's not really willing to push it beyond that, yeah. which I thought was good. And so he goes on throughout the book to talk about uh, a case in California that he went and investigated personally and ended up getting thrown in jail because he was just sleeping out in the open and um, law enforcement asked him what he was doing there. And he said he's following up on a UFO report. So they threw him in the clink. That's real. <laughs> and um, he ultimately gets involved with Albert Bender, mm-hmm. who at the time had founded International Flying Saucer Bureau. And Barker volunteered to be sort of a regional investigator for that. And ultimately, um, you know, Bender's personality changes quite a bit on the UFO topic after he's visited by three dark suited um, men in black, we yeah. call them today. Yeah. And, and so there's whole chapters devoted to Barker and his friends doing everything they can to get out of Bender. What really happened? Um, and it's, it's at, at points it's very suspenseful at others. It's really humorous because they're trying everything to try to get him to commit to some statement and he will not. So it's, it's really fascinating because it's just at the early end of all of these things that have come to be just sort of um, taken as, as tropes in the UFO subject, but he's experiencing them writing in very sort of Keel-esque fashion, but much earlier than Keel, you know, like at least half a decade earlier in some cases. And certainly... Like he's talking about events that took place in the 50, 50, 53, 54, 
which is well in advance of Mothman prophecies. See, I'm wondering if I own this book somewhere. I don't. It's not on my shelves here, but I've I've got I have his Men in Black and I have his mm-hmm. Silver Bridge. I don't think I own this book unless it's hidden away in yeah. my Kindle library. Sure. As long as you're talking about West Virginia, still, yeah. And Gray Barker, and you mentioned Keel. I'm. I want to talk about Mothman prophecies, which I have on my list. Um, and despite the name, I think the Mothman prophecies is very much a UFO book. Like, heck, if you want to get real inane, like you could say that the Mothman himself is an unidentified flying object. Yeah. Um, but the book. This was one of. I've talked about this before, but I think this is the book that introduced me to the paranormal. So, um, and it definitely was the book that introduced me to the idea that people think UFOs are real and that they think they see them and and this kind of thing as a kid, this was the book that, and that was because my sister had bought the book because of the movie. And then I read the book or not read the book, but I picked it up and flipped through it and was astonished. Um, so the book I've read the book now twice. This is one of the few paranormal related books that I've read multiple times. I don't love the book and I've talked about my issues with the book, but I put the book on here because just in terms of historical value, I think it's must must read material for anyone trying to educate themselves on the UFO subject. And Keel was in Point Pleasant when the Mothman sightings happened because of an assignment on UFOs for Playboy. That was one of the reasons he was in Point Pleasant when when the the Mothman stuff happened. And he was he stayed there because of the UFO sightings more so than the Mothman sightings. And then there's multiple instances where he thinks he himself had, you know, sightings and run-ins with with UFOs, including um something you were talking about loving the idea of Ivan T. Sanderson and Yes. And uh, Gray bushwhacking their way down to the Elk mm-hmm. River. Something I've always thought that that's that's there's this ro- very romantic notion, not in a in a romantic anyway. The <sighs> idea of Gray um, John Keel and Mary Heyer going out to the TNT area and having sightings of UFOs has always been. I I just love that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have that in this book as well. So the whole the book goes as much into the UFO subject as it does into the notion of winged humanoids. And honestly, it doesn't really go at all into the notion of winged humanoids. It's much deeper than that. It's a much bigger look at, at the Mothman subject than some of the other books that are out there. But um, yeah, I can't recommend the Mothman prophecies in terms of its UFO value enough. I think it's very yeah. much about that subject. And it's also, you know, maybe, maybe, where I derive so much of my interest in West Virginia as a hotspot for strange things might come from looking at this book as a kid. Yeah, it's very much a UFO book. And, and there's a tendency to isolate the Mothman accounts apart from the UFOs, but that's not Keel's intent for mm-hmm. sure. And he gets into, of course, uh, Woody Derenberger, that whole case yeah. in great detail. Mm-hmm. And I think the it does support like multiple readings, like you were saying. And I think at least in part because it's a classic story of somebody investigating phenomena and then it starts to, they start to interact with it. You know, where, he, as you said, he goes out on multiple occasions with Mary Heyer and others 
and has experiences and sightings and it then becomes even more personal. And that's probably the most unsettling. If, if people are ever creeped out by reading it, I think that's why is because it kind of followed him home, so to speak. And that's, that's the, that's, from a literary standpoint, I think that's the most interesting thing. I, I think there's also a warning in there that he did not intend where I have issues with Keel's work and especially Mothman Prophecies because he cannot help but insert himself into the story he's telling. And, and, and at some point he takes over the story he's telling. And I've, so I have issues with that from, from like a, a, a journalist standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the name of the book is about him. Mm-hmm. The, t- the very title of the book is is about John Keel. Now, I don't think it had started that way, and it started as the year of the Garuda, and it became something else. But um, you, he almost couldn't help, but eventually, he becomes the the main character in the story he's telling, and that happens to everybody who tells these stories. I yeah, guess, right. Because now I'm seeing it in myself. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. There's 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 a lot of I. Uh, Richard Haddam will talk about this book you know and very eloquent very eloquently he talks about this book and one of the things he he mentioned and it might even be in mothman legacy is how over time keel himself became more and more paranoid and it was almost like he was being sucked into the the like a a, you hate the term rabbit hole but that's what (laughs) happens is at some point like he was pulled down the rabbit hole and could not get himself out of it Mm -hmm. um which, yeah, well, that's in the book. Yeah, I mean, he reaches a point where he's tracing his phone lines through his apartment mm-hmm. to see, yeah, are they tapped or not? I mean, that's he he does that, become that, very disturbed. The the tone of the movie is is very much like Rich and the director trying to tap into that mm-hmm. paranoia that seeps into the book. Um, anyway, it's a great book. Really, really recommend it. It's a good one. Did you get any keel on yours? I'm I did. Assuming I did. Operation yes. Trojan. Horse. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Operation Trojan Horse by John Keel is one that I had to include. And not because it's necessarily a great book or or groundbreaking per se, but it's the one that was suggested to my seminary class. That that was the... I've never heard that before. Yeah. We were going through a whole quarter of systematic theology and ticking through all these different topics. And then one of them was the supernatural fascination that the public has with these topics and how to approach that from a, from a theological stance. And he had maybe two or three books that this particular um, seminary professor recommended in order to really understand where these subjects were at. And I was blown away because I wasn't expecting, you know, I wasn't expecting that conversation to begin with, but then for one of my seminary professors you know, from a very staunch conservative Bible believing college mm-hmm. or secondary education, preparing pastors for ministry said, go read John Keel. <laughs> I was like, okay. Cause at that point I'd already read um, Mothman prophecies. So I went and, and got the book, which took a little doing cause this was mid late nineties. Mm-hmm. And some of these titles had lapsed. Yeah. So there was these markup prices that were just astronomical for some of these titles and Operation Trojan Horse was one of those. So I had to wait a little while and somebody finally reprinted it and, you know, it was 20 bucks to get a copy. So I'm glad I waited, but it was, it's, um, 
kind of what his thinking, I think it's a great distillation of his thinking on the subject where you get into things like the ultra terrestrials, which people sort of know John Keel for putting that forward as a hypothesis in the super spectrum sort of ideas that these are things that all have, I don't know, a long story short is like it's the grand unified theory of everything. And Keel's idea is that there's supernatural beings that love to mess with humans hmm. and that all everything, all the weird stuff in the world is a manifestation of that as the source. Did you ever ask your, was it a professor or what? Yeah. Okay. Did yeah. you ever ask him how he was introduced to Keel? No, or how, okay. no. I, I was to learn about that. I should have. Yeah. I mean, uh, the now version of me definitely would have. I think the, the 23, four year old, whatever I was at the time, just didn't feel yeah. up to the task. Yeah. I was yeah. afraid he'd ask me why I was that interested. <laughs> and I'd have to say. I'm not going to leave West Virginia. Okay. <laughs> um, Uninvited Visitors, which has a, a really cool lenticular cover. That's crazy. I've never seen that cover before. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. Uninvited Visitors by. Ivan T. Sanderson, I, yes. a biologist, look at UFOs, which, if I'm not mistaken, I think this guy was like a, uh, he's a former electrical engineering journal editor. Um, anyway, uh, Ivan T. Sanderson, I bought this book because of its uh, chapter on the Flatwoods case. And I cannot remember who suggested this to me. But this reminds me of a question I wanted to ask you. Does Sanderson write at length about Flatwoods anywhere else? If, you're aware of. Not, not that I'm aware of. If he did, I think it would have been in a, a magazine or a journal. Okay, because he doesn't write that much about it in here either. So, I, th- I mean, it's, there's like a chapter that gets into it. Mm-hmm. But it's just strange to me because of how much time I'm, I know that Sanderson spent looking into the Flatwoods case. It's strange to me that there's only like this one book that really delves into it. Um, but it, it is, I so I read the book when we were doing Flatwoods Monster, so three three four years ago whatever um but i will say that the style of sanderson's writing probably influenced the storytelling of flatwoods our flatwoods movie Mm -hmm. more than the other work i read about flatwoods anyone who's listened to this show or interviews with me about our flatwoods film i haven't read fascino's flatwoods book it's sitting directly behind me yeah. and you can pretty much like, if you pick it up, you will see, I've never looked through it. There's no, <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's reasons for that, but you know, um, they were, I have a copy of that mm-hmm. in hardcover. They really? were selling it at that Tamarack mm-hmm. place where you pull off yeah, in yeah. West Virginia. Yeah, they had like stuff. a whole stack of those one time. Mm-hmm. I just picked one up. It, yeah. It's like a, just a, one of those happy occurrences. Yeah. But, um, the book, the book goes into UFOs at great length, and I read the entire book despite the fact that it had almost nothing to do with what yeah. you know, we were doing with our UFO book. And again, it's been a little while since, um, since I've read it, but one thing I will say about it is I think it also subconsciously influenced the format of On the Trail of UFO Season 1. Mm-hmm. Um, chapter by chapter, he kind of opens up the UFO subject and I always felt like it was a good introductory work for, for people just getting into UFOs. Kind of like how I think about Lauren Coleman's Bigfoot, The True Story of Apes in America. Mm-hmm. In a way, I think this book has that same kind of 
introductory aspect to it. I don't think he spends as much time on the history of the subject, which when was this written like the sixties or something? Yeah. I mean, that makes sense that he wouldn't be spending a, a ton of time on like Roswell and things like that. Right. But, um, but I just remember that when I read it, it, it opened my eyes to some stylistic decisions that I made with other projects down the road. So just from a, again, just from like a research standpoint, it's, it was invaluable. He gets into USOs, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, Which I thought was kind of ahead of the curve for the it, time that it was written. It I, was. Um, and I'm trying to find just like, a. I mean, he's got the space. Yeah. Did we do an episode on that of something or talk about it? I don't something? know. Not Maybe we did. We need to. Um, Could yeah, have a weird episode. image episode. Um. Yeah, I mean, where do they come from? Okay, so let me let me run down the chapters because I okay. think this legit will kind of it's to me it reminds me of uh, on the trail of UFOs. Yeah, what could UFOs be? Is chapter one things in the sky, a thing on the ground, <laughs> the shape and substance of UFOs or UAOs? Uh, UA aerial maybe? Yeah, it's gotta be. Was it, he loved to make up? Yeah, um, different terms for, for things. Yeah. What do they do? Could UFOs or UAOs be alive? Other strange things come down from the sky. Are uninvited visitors and more uninvited visitors, which those are the chapters that do deal with um, Flatwoods. Mm-hmm. Where do they come from and how? When did they start coming and why? A concept of cosmic evolution. And those are some of the chapters. Yeah. It just reminds me of what we did with on the trail of UFO season one, which was sort of just about laying out the entire subject in the most quick, concise way you could. Right. And then moving on to other stuff, which is what we're doing now. But um, really great book. Try to find it with the lenticular cover. Oh, my gosh. It's it's pretty cool. I have a new white whale. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a neat one. Well, where do we go from here? Um, oh, we'll, we'll do this one. Um, because of the connection to On the Trail of UFOs. Mm-hmm. Jacques Vallée. I have a Jacques Vallée okay, on okay. the list, Sorry, but um, this is called Captured, the Betty and Barney Hill uh-huh. UFO Experience, yeah. which is different than the first book that was ever published about that case. This one is Stanton Friedman hmm. and Kathleen Marden, mm-hmm. who is the niece of Betty Hill, yeah. and it is just a really intriguing read because it of anything else that I've seen, it gets into the family history of Betty and Barney, just like uh, the mundane detail stuff of how they met Mm -hmm. and how long they knew each other for and how things were when they got married and all of that. And then you have that coupled with um, Stanton Friedman and doing a really in-depth, like multiple chapter evaluation of the alleged star map and the claims of the teacher who took it upon herself to kind of um, explore the dimensions of that. So it's just, it's good. It's, it's really, we were very fortunate to pick this book up at a library book sale and just happened upon it. But now it's a major source for me whenever I think about writing sort of a summary of the Hill case. I look to that one to make sure that the details are accurate and so forth you're yeah i've never read a book on the hills my knowledge of that comes almost entirely from that interview that we show in episode seven and then just from being there and kind of 
hearing about the story from other people. So that's one of those things where I'd like to get further into reading. Yeah. I do think the star maps is the star map is one of the most interesting elements to that story. Just the fact that they had this knowledge that seemed to be implanted. Um, yeah, I'd really recommend it because not only does it go through the history of up to the case and, you know, uh, doing a really accurate job of when the different um, interviews took place, the uh, hypnosis sessions and so forth. Mm -hmm. But then Marden gets into Betty Hill's life after that, after Barney passed away, mm -hmm. which was not that long after the sighting. It's yeah. like within four or five years of the sighting, the experience. And how her, over time, her thoughts seemed to um, change drastically. Everything from having regular UFO sightings, taking pictures of things, everything was a UFO, to then bending towards some more skepticism later in her life. And it's written from a family point of view. Mm -hmm. So someone who knew her intimately and yeah. was, was there the day that her mom got the phone call the day after the abduction took place mm. and remembers it very clearly, her mom being on the phone just stunned at yeah. what she was hearing. So I, that's, that's really good. Captured the Betty and Barney Hill UFO experience. Uh, the only recent book I'm putting on here is Somewhere in the Skies by Ryan Sprague. Um, Somewhere in the Skies is also Ryan's UFO podcast. I have to say, for a, a lot of these books are just very s simple. So, like, I'm a simple guy, so... <laughs> And, and these are all books that I can get into. I, I don't, my, uh, I'm not the most intelligent person on earth and these are written at my level so I can understand them. And Ryan has a really, I think Ryan's gift is, um, writing about these subjects from, uh, uh, I almost used the word lay person, but that's not what I mean. Mm -hmm. He writes it at a, at a level that, that you can understand, but there's, a, he also writes with a certain amount of compassion and caring for the people that are involved, not just witnesses, but the the researchers and investigators that are involved in the UFO subject as well. This is a really good introductory book to, to UFOs. And especially where the subject stands, maybe not today. And I know he just re released another version of this or like an, an updated printing. I don't know if that includes new material or not, but I would love to see him update the book to include sort of his thoughts on where things are today mm -hmm. with UAPs and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, I had the, the, uh, j just an amazing time spending time with Ryan and my crew in, in New York city, uh, back in 2019 when we were making UFOs and this, you know, you, you spend time with people in that setting. You, you're very aware of this. And a lot of the times the subject you're the subject that you're there to really focus on doesn't really come up outside of when you're interviewing. or mm -hmm. whatever. We actually did talk about UFOs a, a decent amount and he never, he's always himself. So I appreciate, I appreciated that about his, about the book. And now that I know him, I think I have a greater appreciation for the book as well. Um, but I really think that's a great introductory book. Have you read somewhere in the skies? Yet? I have not. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I haven't read, some of yours and now it's time for you to read some of mine um we'll have a book exchange yeah it'll be no we'll just come book. in we'll sit in here and read together <laughs> and we'll film it squad, the reading squad room. exclusive yeah uh but oh, yeah look what i found <laughs> check out this picture <laughs> uh, but yeah I, 
really recommend this book and uh, just a fun uh, read relating to to where UFO stood when the book came out, which I think was like 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to say it's a good modern look at it, except I feel like so much has happened yeah. since the book came out that I think things have morphed right. somewhat. Um, but it still was a great, great one to pick up and read. On the other end of that spectrum, but very closely related, if you have, uh, last time I checked, if you have a, like $150 sitting around right. and you don't know what to do with it and you want an exhaustive sort of resource on UFOs, there's a two-volume set by Jerome Clark that's just the UFO encyclopedia. And that's been updated a couple times, so you can find less expensive versions on eBay. But that goes through, as an encyclopedia would, um, just touching on subjects, personalities, and famous cases. And he condenses an absolute ton of research into like three or four pages at the max on all of the most important topics in the UFO subject. I mean, because it falls within the A's, it's like the first thing you almost come to is the abduction phenomena. And that, you know, I think we did a a whole episode on abduction phenomena way back in the day for Monstropolis. And I relied heavily on that, um, Jerome Clark's stuff about that because it's so dense. I mean, you look at the bibliography for every section and there's like 60, 75 books and articles that he's um, drawing on just to write this little two, three page article. Heather was... Oh, okay. if, if my phone rang, I'm yeah. sorry, <laughs> listeners. Um, yeah, I I have a book by Clark, the unidentified, the one he did mm-hmm. with uh, Creatures from the Outer Edge in the unidentified yes. compilation book. Yeah, um, I have not read it yet though. Mm-hmm. I've skimmed it a few times. Back when Lauren Coleman was willing to entertain, yes, more Weird. arcane yeah. explanations for things. I don't know where to go from here because we're running almost out of time. Um, can I can I jump through? Yeah, or we we could easily do a part two. Do you want to do a part two? We could. I'll be down to three books, so it's mostly going to be you talking. <laughs> so I think that's fine by me if you're cool with that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. All right. Um, well, in that case, we're going to wrap up for this week's show because we are at at the show length. Um, the as we said at the beginning of the show, this is a big week coming up for STM. If you're interested in, in watching squad stuff, you can join the, the YouTube channel to become a squad member to watch Monsteropolis. You can also uh, watch free junk over there as well. I'm free junk. I'm really, I have to say this on the show because I'm going to show you as soon as we're done here. Um, I'm really excited to show you the first little bit of Beyond the Trail. Oh. Because it, uh, it is astonishingly cool really uh, i'm really excited for this excellent yes um, and uh but yeah the the we're gonna come back do part two on our ufo literature and um and that will drop next week uh what else do it oh um leave a rating review on itunes and you can send us mail monsteropolis mail at gmail.com we actually haven't gotten any mail lately so send us a letter and who knows if we're real bored we might make a whole show out of it if not, we'll it's least, happened before. Yeah, it's happened many times. <laughs> we'll at least talk about it at the beginning of the show as yeah. much as possible. Um, all right, that does it for this week. 
Monsteropolis is proudly presented on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1 FM or streaming live at wadsworthcommunityradio.com. It is proudly underwritten by Thurber's Jewelers on the Square in downtown Wadsworth. Wadsworth. 